Um, but I'd say the biggest difference, like I mentioned, is the fact that it's a compiler. Um, it only runs at build time. It's not like Viewer React, where you could include Viewer React as a script tag in the browser and use it that way. You have to have a build step with Svelte, um, which some would see as a downside. But really, because it's a compiler, you know, you have that really small output, which is a, a, a big factor. You know, the hello world with Svelte is less than three kilobytes. Um, whereas if you if you take something like React. And yet again, you've made it to another episode of 20 Minute JavaScript. Welcome back. This episode is hosted, as usual, by Open Replay, an open source session replay tool for front end developers. If you're looking for a way to understand how your users interact with your application, you might want to check Open Replay. I'm Fernando Doglio, your host and future best friend for the next 20 minutes. At least, you know, that's my hope. You do whatever you want. Today's topic is going to be Svelte once again, but this time with Jeff Rich senior developer and one of the maintainers of, get this, the Svelte project itself. He's also going to be sharing with us his experience contributing to open source projects. So listen up, because this one is going to be interesting. So Jeff, welcome. Thank you for being here. And please introduce yourself. Sure, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm a senior software engineer at Alaska Airlines. um, And I'm also a member of the Svelte core team. I've been contributing to the Svelte project for a few years now mostly in the area of uh, improving the accessibility of the documentation site, um, though I've also made some bug fixes to, to the project. All right, perfect. Uh, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Svelte. Uh, we've we've already covered SvelteKit on another episode, but this is just going to be focusing on, on Svelte and the main differences, if you will, uh, that it has with the, with the major frameworks around. So... If you could try to summarize uh, for for me and and for our listeners, what is Svelte in two maybe three sentences, if you can? Yeah, sure. So Svelte is a component based JavaScript framework like the ones you've probably heard of, like React and Vue. Uh, but the major difference is instead of interpreting your component code in the browser with a, a runtime it ships to the browser, it instead compiles your components into vanilla JavaScript at build time. Uh, so on average, this makes for applications that are typically smaller and faster than applications built with the other big frameworks. All right. And are we going to, uh, so you're talking about compile uh, compile time. Are we talking about completely different language or, or are we talking about some something like a superset of JavaScript? What are we dealing with here? Yeah, so it, it's often described as a superset of HTML and JavaScript. It is a domain-specific language. So Svelte has its own constructs in the template for things like if and loops. But if you look at a Svelte component, you know, 95% of what you see is HTML, CSS, JavaScript. It should look very familiar to anyone who's uh, familiar with those languages. Okay, perfect. Good to know. And with that said, then, can you share a bit of what you know of the, let's call it the origin story of Svelte? Why is it, why was it developed if in the end we're still dealing with JavaScript, essentially? Uh, What problem was it trying to solve? Yeah, sure. So this this was a bit before my time on the Svelte project. From, but from what I've learned from various podcast interviews with Rich Harris, the creator of Svelte, um, it really came out of his time working in newsrooms at The Guardian and The New York Times. Um, 
which if you think about a newsroom, it's a very fast paced environment, you know, news moves quickly, you've got a lot of constraints, tight deadlines, you got to get stuff out there as quickly as possible. And at the time, the existing tools didn't really fit uh, what he needed them to do, you know, because you want a tool that lets you iterate quickly and ship quickly. Uh, That's performant, because it's important uh, to make performant news articles and websites. And also that's accessible to people with a wide array of programming backgrounds. Um, A lot of folks in newsrooms, you know, you have some super hardcore programmers, but also some who maybe got into programming just because they wanted to build these interactive visualizations or just they want to just make it work for them. Um, And also, you know, if you think about the visualizations in news articles, they can be really interactive, really animation heavy, and not every framework makes it easy to do that in a performant way. Um, So it's really a combination of all those constraints that Svelte came out of uh, in 2016. Um, And the compiler was introduced there. You know, I mentioned JavaScript performance. Um, The compiler was introduced as a way to make this really tight JavaScript bundle that only shipped exactly what it needed to to support being embedded in things like news articles where all this other code you you can think is getting loaded for like ads and tracking and other things. So you want like the interactive code to be as small and as concise as possible. Um, So like I said, the first version was released in 2016. And then really version three in 2019 is where a lot of people started hearing about it. And that shook up a few things that um, got a lot of people's attention. All right, so it's been around since 2019 then? Uh, well, 2016, and then, yeah, 2019. 2016, sorry, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's been around for a while. Uh, and and we've in that time, we've seen uh, other frameworks also um, appear, grow, and take most of the market um, for them. So how is it different from others like React or Vue? And why do you think hasn't had the adoption that the others have? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the adoption question, I would say it's still growing. Um, recently, it's done very well in like the state of JavaScript uh, surveys. Um, and yeah, 2016 has been a while. But like I said, 2019 is really where it started to gain traction, uh, which is well after when you know React and Vue started uh, gaining traction. So it does have stuff to overcome there. It's still growing. Um, but I'd say the biggest difference, like I mentioned, is the fact that it's a compiler. Um, it only runs at build time. It's not like Vue or React where you could include Vue or React as a script tag in the browser and use it that way. You have to have a build step with Svelte, um, which some would see as a downside. But really, because it's a compiler, you know, you have that really small output, which is a, a, a big factor. You know, the hello world with Svelte is less than three kilobytes. Um, whereas if you if you take something like React, you know, you're starting just at 40 kilobytes compressed and that's your baseline. Um, and I would say, you know, beyond size, because you're always going to have a, a faster framework, you're always going to have a smaller framework. Um, but I really appreciate the authoring experience with Svelte. Um, Svelte really values minimizing boilerplate. So like the code you write um, keeps your components pretty small and compact and very understandable, very easy to read and reason about. And because it's a compiler, it can also include a lot of things that the other frameworks make you reach for external libraries for. Um, so, for example, I mentioned data visualizations, and something important there is animation. So, Svelte has animation support built into the framework. It's very easy to, you know, animate something in and out of the page if that's what you want to do. You don't have to reach for an external library. You can just use what's built in with Svelte. And because it's that compiler, it's not having to include that stuff in the runtime by default. At build time, if you're not using any of those animation stuff, it, it can just be left out of the bundle. Um, it doesn't have to be shipped. So... Really, it can include a lot of things that other frameworks can't because it can strip them out if no one's using them. All right, cool. That's interesting. And uh, why do you think uh, the focus on animation? Is it because of the origin of, of Svelte? Or are there any other um, 
equally, uh, let's call it big components that are also built in into, into Svelte. Because animation on itself, I mean, usually you, you require an external library because it's a big thing. Because it requires a lot of code, because it requires a lot of logic. So the fact that uh, Svelte has it built in is, uh, aside from being a, a great addition, uh, it's peculiar that it added that and not other other things. Or are there other uh, type of functionality that you would normally uh, pull from an external library also built in into into Svelte? Yeah, there are some other things, and I, and I think you're right that you know part of the reason why animation is the first class citizen Svelte is that newsroom background, where that's that's something you need to reach for and other frameworks might require you to work around. But yeah, it's not just animation. Um, CSS is another thing. You know, any web application you write, is you're going to need to figure out how to write CSS. And a lot of times you have to reach for an external library or like figure out CSS modules or a CSS and JS solution. And in Svelte, uh, it's single file components. So you just write the styles right there inside the component. And Svelte will take care of automatically scoping them for you to the component. So if I have a component with a paragraph, I can target that paragraph directly to that component and not have to worry about it escaping and targeting any other paragraph. So CSS is built in. Svelte also has some built-in stuff for uh, state management through a concept called stores, uh, which is basically an observable. Um, it's an object you can pass around and you can subscribe to updates for it. Um, that's commonly used for, for things like uh, tracking global state or tracking user preferences, that thing. Um, so you don't necessarily need a, a larger state management library, though Svelte stores do integrate with those larger libraries like Redux. If you really wanted to use it, you can figure out how to integrate it into Svelte stores to make it more of a first-class citizen. Um, so yeah, it's not just uh, animation. One, one other small thing um, is head management. You know, Svelte has a built-in way to add things into the the head through a special tag, which I believe in React, you have to reach for an external library to do something like that. So yeah, it's not just animation. There's just a lot of different things that really reduce the number of decisions you have to make when building your application. You know, you can just get started, be productive right off the bat, um, and not have to try to choose between these different libraries or figure that out. It's all, most of what you need is built into the framework. Interesting. I like the idea of having that scope TSS so you don't have to worry about uh, classes and, and, you know, well, you do, but, you know, with each, just within the the confines of your component, that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's really great. And um, because of that, it will actually warn you if you write a CSS rule that isn't being used and it will strip it out of your final bundle. So, you know, it's not like if you've worked in an application where there's a large CSS style sheet, you just keep adding styles onto it because who knows where it's being used because it's component scoped. So it can automatically just take that out. So it's really nice and really, you know, that performance focus to not ship more CSS than you need to. All right. So if we're dealing with a compiling, which even though it's mostly CSS and JavaScript and HTML, are we okay or do we, is it easy let's put it that way is it easy for a developer to include external code um that is not written uh, following the svelte standard let's put it that way if i have a, a javascript lar- external library that i want to include because it already does what i want it to do do i have to like migrate it or just include it and will it work out of the box so, so are you talking about like a uh, an external like vanilla yes. javascript library like something yeah, that's another thing that I found really easy to integrate in Svelte. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a concept called Svelte Actions, um, which basically lets you get that raw DOM access. And it's often a great way to integrate an external library. A common example is like a tooltip library like Tippy um, or something like that. It's really easy. You do have to write a Svelte wrapper, but it's, you know, it's like three lines of code. Uh, you have a function that say, hey, run this when this DOM node is added. 
And then you can import the library and just do whatever you need to with that DOM node. A lot of vanilla libraries will take the DOM node as a reference and then, you know, add the tooltip to it, set up all their event listeners, do all that. So I found it really easy to integrate external libraries like that, um, which is also a common uh, refrain when, when people talk about maybe Svelte being smaller, not having as robust as an ecosystem, because there's these external libraries that are usually very easy to integrate into Svelte. Um, the ecosystem is can actually be a lot larger than maybe something like React, where a lot of external libraries, you have to figure out, okay, how do I integrate this into React's lifecycle and, and components and all that? Um, so I found it to be a, a very good experience. Okay, interesting. And <clears throat> one thing that really got my eye uh, or read about Spell and Trade It Out is uh, how easy it is to create a reactive variable, essentially, or, or you know, piece of information and dealing with state and, and, and displaying it on, on, on my HTML. It's kind of removing all the boilerplate, if you will, that uh, other libraries need to use. So is that what the Svelte documentation calls being truly reactive? Yeah, yeah. So reactivity in Svelte really boils down to two separate concepts. So I think what you were first talking about is what we call reactive assignments. Um, and that's the fact that you can, you know, to declare a state variable, like let's say a counter in Svelte, in your script tag, you say let count equal zero, and you can use it in your template. And then if you want to update that count, you don't have to, you know, use the this keyword or use a separate function to update it. You, you literally just do count equals count plus one. And the Svelte compiler will turn that into behind the scenes, figure out how to make that actually update the template. But as an author, it's very easy to update state and it's very clear. And it works how you'd expect it to, um, you know. There's also the concept of reactive declarations, which is another cool thing about Svelte. And that is, if you've seen it, that's the dollar sign colon syntax. Um, which is going to be a little <laughs> tricky to mouth code this. Uh, but basically, it's been described as like a spreadsheet. So if you have a spreadsheet, you have cells A, B, and C. You can say in uh, cell C, okay, C is always equal to A plus B. And if you update A, C will update, update B, C will update. That doesn't always work like that in programming. You know, if you declare variables A and B and say C equals A plus B, if you update A, you then have to go update C again. But in Svelte, it lets you declare this uh, reactively you can say dollar sign colon C equals A plus B. And then anytime you update A, C will automatically be updated. It'll just automatically be kept in sync. And it's a very nice, very declarative way to um, indicate how all your state relates together. Um, and it, again, it, it really goes back to that concise component code that, that makes it easy to reason about. So hard, hard to talk, yes. you know, mouth code this, but the Svelte tutorial, if you're wondering, is a great Absolutely, yeah, definitely hard, but, but it's still very interesting how... Um, like really focused on result, let's put it that way, and uh, and, and improving the developer experience. Uh, I I personally hate boilerplate code, and and it feels like with um, with Svelte you have pretty much none. Yeah, is that how you feel as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there's very little boilerplate in the Svelte component. That's that's definitely true. Cool. All right. Um, let's put it this way. Uh, why would a new developer choose? to go with Svelte over React or Vue? Or would you, let me ask you this, would you recommend a new developer uh, going w directly to Svelte without jumping through React or Vue or, any, or anything else that's out there already? Yeah, I, I think I would. And, you know, like anything, this really depends on what your goals are. If your only goal is to get a job as quickly as possible, React definitely has way more job share. It's going to be way more marketable. Um, but... I don't think you're going to go wrong starting with Svelte. As I mentioned, it's very approachable. It's very minimal boilerplate. 
It's a very easy mental model to grasp what's going on. And it has a great tutorial. Um, and everything I've talked about, all the benefits there, how a lot of it is just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. You know, you're going to get going very quickly. And I think with Svelte, you're going to be productive quicker than if you start with React. Um, and, you know, if you start with Svelte, that, that doesn't mean you can't go learn React later. And maybe after learning Svelte, getting those basics of modern front-end, component-driven front-ends down, then maybe React would be a little bit more understandable since there are a lot of shared concepts. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to, to do roughly the same things. Um, but yeah, I would say that understandability, the fact that batteries are included, you're not going to have to research a bunch of external libraries off the bat, makes felt a great choice to start with. Um, and it will grow with you if you want it to. If you want to move on to React afterwards, that's definitely an option too. It all depends on what your goals are. Okay. And would you say, last question uh, about Svelte, would you say that Svelte is ready for anything? Let's put it that way. Any, any, any kind of application? Or would you put a limit to the type of project you can build with it? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd put a limit on the type of project you can build with it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's used in a lot of companies now. We use it at my company. We, there hasn't been a point where we're like, oh, man, if we had chosen React, it'd be so much easier. You know, we haven't run into anything like that. It's, it's used at places like the New York Times. The COVID tracker on the New York Times is all built with Svelte. So there's a lot of examples of large applications built with it. So I don't think you'd have much of a problem there. Okay, perfect. Now, uh, I want to pivot to uh, another aspect, which you mentioned on, on your introduction. You said you're an open source maintainer. And getting to open source, it's a topic that a lot of developers, both new and uh, experienced, deal with, either uh, because they want to get into it or because they deal with open source projects, but they don't know how to contribute to them. Can you share with the audience uh, what is the process of contributing to uh, an open source project? How, how is the workflow? You know, in a generic way, obviously, every project is probably uh, different from each other. But uh, what's your experience has, uh, like? Yeah, so I say if, if, if you want to get in, in, and contribute to open source, really the first thing you want to do is be familiar with the project. Really, it's best if it's a project you've used before, you understand what it's trying to do, what its goals are. Um, but yeah, then I, I would just check out the GitHub repo, start seeing what kind of issues are open, see how maintainers respond to them, how they respond to PRs. Just try to understand, you know, norms in the community around there. Um, and then it's really figuring out how you want to contribute to it. And this doesn't have to be code. You know, it can be writing up a good issue report. It can be trying to improve the docs. You know, maybe there's something that was unclear to you at first that you want to improve and make better. Could be opening a PR, um, or it could just be helpful in the community, you know, uh, answering people's questions on the Discord or the Stack Overflow. Um, if you do actually want to make a PR, there's usually contributing documentation in the repo saying, you know, here's what you need to do, here are the requirements. And definitely read that. Definitely read any issue or PR templates as you make those, because it can be really frustrating as a maintainer to have someone open an issue and, and they didn't read or didn't provide a good uh, reproduction, so there's nothing you can do. Um, so I would say, yeah, just refer to the uh, repo's documentation and go from there. All right. So you, you would recommend then GitHub as the starting point, essentially, going there, checking the repo, uh, the documentation available and, and the issues and so on. Yeah. I, and I just watch repos I'm interested in just to see, you know, how are things going, what's being opened, what's going on, just to try to, to figure out what's what's happening. And uh, from the point of view uh, of, of a new developer, uh, someone just getting started, someone, uh, maybe even someone who doesn't really have a shop as a 
developer yet, would you recommend them to get into open source already or would you uh, ask, uh, tell them to wait a bit and then get into open source? Um, yeah, I'd say it really depends. I, 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 I wouldn't say, oh, you need to wait until this, this amount of time before getting into open source. Right. I dive in, especially, you know, if you're a beginner, that beginner's perspective is really useful in understanding what, what are things that are obvious to people who've been in the project for a long time, but might not be obvious to someone who's just starting out. Um, but the cool thing about open source is a, is a great way to explore and learn. You know, if you're a beginner and you're just starting out, a lot of times you're super familiar with how you do things, or maybe your company does things in their projects, but open source is just this whole nother world. You can see other conventions and how other people write code that can really just broaden your perspective. And it's really an opportunity to connect with people and projects that will probably outlive wherever you're currently at in your current company. Um, so I'd say, yeah, dive right in uh, and just and do what you can. You know, you might not be implementing a huge new feature right off the bat, but you, you can definitely be helpful. Cool. Now um, I want to jump into, into a set of questions that we ask all guests. Just quick, quick questions, whatever comes to mind, answer that. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Yeah, just to, to really put a value on consistency. If you want to do something, you have to keep doing it. You can't get discouraged after the first time. So that's really helped me. A hundred percent. Yeah. Best results come after, you know, after a while of trying. Absolutely. Uh, so what's the most exciting project you worked on? Yeah. So this was just a personal project I did. So I love doing web development because I can solve my own problems. <laughs> no one else would solve. Uh, this is a little nerdy. There was a, there's an app I used to read Marvel comics that went through a huge redesign, took away some features I used. Um, and I was able to take their API and recreate those features just for myself. Um, so that was that was fun. You published that anywhere, or just use it for yourself? Yeah, yeah. There's a blog post on it, um, but basically, it lets you search by release date and also get random comics. And, and they took those features out of the app, and I was using them. <laughs> All right. So it was cool. it was fun. Uh, and what is one thing that you wish you knew before you started coding? Yeah, just try to you know tutorials are great, but try to get out of them and build your own things. You know, I think I spent a lot of time just like recreating the tutorial projects, following along step by step. And where you really learn is when you're you're trying to solve something that's completely off book and you're having to Google around and figure out how to do it. Absolutely. And would you, I actually had a conversation uh, about that today. Would you recommend for picking that, that project uh, and building something, would you recommend going with an original idea, idea or just copying something that already exists? Maybe even creating an open source version of something that's closed source. Yeah, I think both are great. The, the nice thing about something that already exists is you have a goal, you have a goal in mind. Um, but I also think it's great, you know, when when there's a problem that you have or something you want, you know, maybe you want to track your meals or something like that. If you're making it exactly for you, um, I think that can be really exciting as well. But if you can't think of anything, you know, cloning something is also a good way to learn. Yeah, absolutely agree. All right. That's it. That's all the time we have, Jeff. Thank you for, for being here, for sharing your experience with Velt and Open Source. Uh, really appreciate that. And uh, can you share with the audience uh, where they can find you? And you know, if you have any project you want to plug, please go ahead. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at G-E-O-F-F-R-I-C-H with an underscore at the end. And also my personal blog, jeffrich.net, where I try to write monthly blog posts, usually about Svelte. Um, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but Svelte Summit, the virtual Svelte conference, is happening at the end of April. I highly recommend checking that out. It'll be streamed live and then also available to watch after. All right. Awesome. Yeah, we're probably going to be publishing this episode before that, so make sure you check it out. All right. Thanks again, and goodbye, everyone. <laughs>